Hey now, sit right back and get comfortable. You are listening to Broker Talk, the number one weekly real estate podcast hosted by brokers with almost 50 years of experience in the real estate brokerage industry, including residential, commercial, investment, development, and marketing, including radio and television, magazines, books, websites, and of course, podcasts. Your Broker Talk hosts today are Larry Lawfer and myself, Jim Lowenstern. Evan is on the soundboard. We're once again broadcasting from the top of the Castle's Unlimited Space Needle in Boston, Massachusetts. How are you doing today, Larry? I am doing excellent uh, today, Jim. And uh, it's a shame that Beth, our guest today, didn't get to hear that awesome entry music. Beth uh, Titel is a reporter at the Boston Globe, where she writes front-page features on a wide range of topics with one thing in common. They all focus on human behavior. Today's uh, uh, entry was about storage units today. Um, it was a great read. She's written on a, a lot on real estate, including pieces on the $1 million home and how in Massachusetts it's not the mansion it once was. And more recent a story called Welcome to Crazy Town, also known as the Greater Boston Real Estate Market. Before I introduce uh, Beth even further, I want to let our audience know that usually we bring on a guest who provides a, a wealth of information, as Beth is, is able to, but she's a, a unique person being a feature writer on the globe. Usually we would ask questions like, hey, how do I get my name in the paper? Or better yet, how to get my how do I get my property in the globe as a feature? But that's not what we're going to do today. Today, Jim and I are here to be interviewed by Beth and answer any questions she may have about this vital and important business. Welcome to the show, Beth. Thanks. I'm thrilled to be on. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, we're a little nervous because we don't know any of the questions that you're going to ask. The, table, so, the tables are turned. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got one that's going to be pretty easy. This is, I'm sure you guys are thinking about this. So it ju news just broke that Tom and Giselle are putting in their house on the market in Brookline for $39.5 million. But here's my question. With something like that, you get a lot of people, I'm sure, who just want to go see it just to see it. And I, I can't imagine they'd have an open house. But even without an open house, are people, in your experience, likely to try to call the broker or try to get in to see it? Uh, great question. Um, it, it'll definitely bring the crazies out. And um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely not in short supply. So... Um, it, it's the less experienced brokers that will get those calls that, um, you know, pr pretty much won't know what to do with it. it, it I, I've had calls uh, from people that uh, once I start sharing the buyer information with other brokers, they go, oh, that guy. Well, let me tell you, mm. you know, so all of all of that's going to happen. So it really is a question of how much um, pre-qualification yeah. of the buyer that 
the broker can offer the listing broker before they even get access to the driveway. Absolutely, Jim. Uh, in, in fact, uh, I am sure whoever is handling that particular uh, sale already knows that the only people who will get to go in that house are pre-qualified and are set to go. There will be no uh, general audience in there whatsoever. I, as a uh, certified luxury home property manager, might be able to get in if I'm previewing for a very wealthy client who is oh. interested in making a purchase. But I would have to explain that, who that is to the listing agent. All right, that's interesting. So I guess we can't be, I can't be flocking there pretending. No, who, whoever goes in well, that house. My globe salary that I'm, I'm looking at that house. <laughs> Yes, Beth, um, but whoever goes in that house has already uh, shown their financial uh, uh, paperwork before they even get in the door. Oh, really? Oh, yes. That's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I assume, does that happen with really expensive houses, even if it's not a celebrity selling? Yes, absolutely. It's anything behind the velvet rope. You don't get there unless you're invited. And, and, and don't, oh, right, and, right. And don't believe that uh, Giselle and Tom actually have ever lived there by the way. <laughs> so if you're hope, hoping to take a glimpse uh, in, into their bedroom or something, no, they, they've got houses all over the place. But, but they do live in this one, Jim. There's a, he, did, he shot the show last year uh, at the home. Right. He was there for that afternoon. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. And I think I heard, I'm not positive, but I think the, some tennis team, was, some high school tennis team was playing on those courts in the, right, you know, in the property right next to him in the school, and I think he returned the ball. There was some, some sports team where he, he Pine, was spotted. Pine Manor College is right there. there. And he, yeah, Pine he, Manor, and nicely yes. returned whoever the high school student was, nicely returned whatever type of ball or puck they were playing with. Um, all right, so I have another question, which is I was thinking about the old days when you'd look for a house and you'd see the address and then you, you had no idea what the house looked like inside. And you would drive down the street and hope that it was one of the nicest ones and your you know, mood would be falling and rising depending on which house you thought it was and you'd get there. Then, of course, that all changed with the Internet where now it's like you, you can see what like the second floor inside the toilet looks like. And I was wondering how both the Internet but also more recently big venture capital money is changing the, what, I guess, what you guys do. How does it change the real, the real estate agent's job? You want mm. me to? T I'm, yeah, I'm ready on that because I have investors, as you do. Yeah. But but the, it breaks down in a couple of different ways, Beth. There are investors out there, and they were a larger share of the market. Uh, they're dwindling right now because the yen is is uh, uh, dropping in value to the dollar. There's a whole lot of volatility to the investment market. Um, investors who are paying with cash are still doing that, but the deals are fewer and further between right now. Oh, wait, you know, Larry, let me I don't, I don't I think, think that's the question, question clearly. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll answer the it. The money Beth. that's bankrolling <laughs> the, the firms like Zillow and Redfin and Compass, like, is that changing the game of how people get leads or, or listings? I was, oh, yeah. I was wondering that, like, how, not, the, not the foreign money, but that's an interesting yeah, yeah, yes and no. Uh, internet leads, uh, which is what you're really speaking mm -hmm. about, Beth, are still just that, internet leads. Um, top brokers are doing a lot of their business through their own network. Top brokers typically don't even use those sites um, as part of their 
uh, lead gen, uh, I, I, would, I would say. And um, business hasn't changed that much. It's just created new divisions of real estate brokerage where there may be companies that depend almost entirely on lead generation, like, mm. like a Redfin. Um, you know, Zillow, it, the new Amazon if, if, program. If you, if you pick apart their business model, it, 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 it gets weird. And we, we've, <laughs> we've, we've talked about Redfin on, on this show before. It's just... Well, it's a huge business. Lead generation is a huge billion-dollar-plus business. And real estate agents who don't know their job will think it's easier to buy leads and and to build a business and you'll always find some successful ones that have bought and purchased leads we're in fact beth uh going to have one of the uh zillow executives here on our show in uh the middle of this month um mm. and uh we're going to ask them just such questions but good agents don't buy leads Good agents create their own leads. They have referrals. They, they, might, they may buy some to add to their already existing network, but uh, they, don't, they don't rely on them. Oh, that's interesting. How big, uh, this is from my uh, uneducated perspective. It, it, so this is how it looks for someone who's outside the business. It seems to me like getting a listing seems so crucial because then I know you have to work really hard once you have it, but it seems like, because the house probably will sell, I guess I think it probably would sell, you're almost guaranteed to get that money. So is, am I right in thinking that the whole game is getting the listing, or am I missing something? There's no guarantees, first of all. Um, and is, is, it, um, is it the most important thing? Um, depending on which side of the transaction, um, just, just doing the best for your client is the most important thing. It may be a buyer today, and a, and they may be a seller tomorrow. Well, they they are usually a seller today and a buyer tomorrow. But uh, they do say in the industry, Beth, list to last. And when you have a listing, if you are priced right, you know you're 60 days from now, 90 days from now, you're going to be done. When you have a buyer, you have no idea when they're ultimately going to pull the trigger. So it is better to list uh, than to be a buyer's agent, but it's good to have clients. Right. How do you, what about, you know, I mean, I've written stories, and read, you've read a bunch in other papers, too, about people who either because they just, they never pull the trigger or because they keep getting shut out of, out of you know, they're in bidding wars after bidding where they keep getting shut out. What is that like when you're just, the person's looking for, like, like what's, what's the longest you've worked with somebody, I guess? Forever. In what circumstances? Yeah, I just fired somebody after two years. What happened? Why did you fire them? Um, because they couldn't make the decision. They weren't willing to listen. And when you, have, when you hire a professional, you really want to listen to that professional. And when it takes you too long to do that, a professional has to move on. So what was the deal? Like, were they seeing houses that you thought were good for them? Or what, what was happening? In this particular case, it was a sale. And and they didn't want to accept what the market was going to give them. Uh, and, oh, I see. And it makes no sense for me to get into a situation where I have some something on the market for two years. No, right. So what it, about it, when you're working working with buyers? Does that happen too, or not with me? I'm a more of a listing agent than a buyer's okay. agent. Okay. Um, 
when I do take a buyer, I, I do that. What we are always looking for is what they call the core driving emotion. Do they have to go somewhere? Like, for instance, some people do have to be somewhere. They sold their house, so they've got 60 days to get into their next place. Um, they are moving, uh, for, or they just got a new job, and their family is waiting back here, and, and um, the person who's here with the new job needs to get uh, the house under uh, control so they can get the kids into the school. Those are core driving emotions. Yep, yep. So if you're just looking, and it's one of the first questions they always ask is, how long have you been looking? <laughs> uh, you, uh, you have to ask all the right questions. What are some other key questions? Are you pre-qualified? That's a, that's a key Do you one. have a mortgage broker already? That's a key one. When, when someone is looking, one of the ones I ask, Beth, is tell me about the favorite room you had in some place you lived. We've all lived a lot of different places. You liked some of them. You didn't like some of them. Tell me about one of your favorite rooms. So, Beth, I know that you've, you've lived in a number of different places. Let's do this with you. Tell me about the favorite place you lived. Was it a you know, bedroom? Was it a kitchen? Tell me about some place. I love that question. Wow, that is huge. So we're still playing the game, so tell me. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. Well, I mean, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think of what my favorite room is. Could have, could have been really the yard. My favorite room, but this is the feel of a room I like. A couple of years ago, I was in Philadelphia for a while, and my, my brother and sister-in-law were actually not living in their house, and I was staying in the house. And there was a tiny room that was my sister-in-law's office, and it was surrounded three windows on three sides. And it was pouring when I was there, and I was lying there in the dark reading on my phone with the rain coming, you know, hitting the thing. And I thought, this is the feel I love in a room. Very so, poetic. I don't know if that would... <laughs> yeah. Give you what I might. So why do you ask that question? What are you hoping to elicit? Well, what I just did elicit, you gave yep. me something that the next house that we look at should have. And maybe that's a glass-enclosed uh, back porch. Maybe yep. it's, a, yep. it's a bedroom with, with a bay window that you can put your bed into. It'd be a turret room with lots of glass. Exactly. That's it's... what I want. <laughs> See? That's, that's such an interesting question. I love that. Do people ever have the wrong, not the wrong idea of what they want, but don't know themselves and oh. think they want one thing, but All in the, the end, time. it's something else? Yeah, yeah. because price meets uh, desire. Yes. So that's that's really a key thing. If you If you can't afford it, you know, the fact that you want to tour it, which is going to be a certain kind of architecture, which is not going to be inexpensive, it's not going to have been built recently, uh, you're going to get other issues with that. So it opens up the conversation you have with a buyer who doesn't know, and you have to be empathetic and sympathetic, um, informative. I have a brand new house with a turret, if, if, if you want to change your answer. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but uh, be honest, Jim. You just redid that place. No, no, it's it's absolutely brand new. Oh, that 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 house that it, you live it, in. It it no, not my house. It's actually a few doors away from my house, but oh. it's ac absolutely new, brand new, and has a, a third story uh, turret room. Yeah, I'm, it does exist. Uh, Needham. Huh? It won't be inexpensive. Um, Bethy in the market. Yeah, it won't be inexpensive, that's for sure, where that sits. Not, not bad. Like a you know, one thing I'd love six. to talk about is pricing strategy. I know a number of years ago, at least some agents were doing 
underpricing so they could spark a bidding war. And I know that a lot of people didn't, or some people at least didn't agree with that. What, what is this? Is there a strategy that's sort of on trend right now, or if you guys could talk about pricing strategy, that seems really interesting to me. Well, I think pricing now, um, more than it's been in the last few years, uh, you have to be very smart about it, or you know, you're price it right and you're guaranteed a sale. If you don't price it very well, you may not be getting the sale. Uh, there are property sitting on the market a little longer these days than let's say this time last year would there, you, there would are you agree yes i absolutely there are rules to all of this uh beth um uh, pricing is both a science that's the appraisal part and an art that's the market part and you you can get a good agent can get within ten or five thousand dollars of what the market will bear you need to have your price in that range so that you have enough eyeballs and uh, feet walking through the house so you get offers in the first 30 days. If it doesn't go in the first 30 days, if you don't have 20 people through and a couple of offers, you're off somewhere. And you might be off on your pricing, but it also it's price, conditioning, marketing, location. So you Feedback can, from the market after yeah, 30 days yeah. is very important. Listening to what the buyers are saying. And listen to what the brokers are saying. The, yeah. bro- the brokers will be even more honest than the buyers. What kind of things would the brokers be saying? Like, Give me some examples of what people, mm-hmm. helpful feedback. Or... You're overpriced. <laughs> this, yeah, is a, okay, okay. this is a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck l- with that. Yeah, <laughs> with looking at the floor plan or the, uh, the old... Uh, emerald green carpet or the flock wallpaper people still ruling places out because they have bad carpet it seems like that's the shallowest re- i mean that's such a, something that's easily fixed in this day and age there are more and more people that have zero time they just want to be able to move in and not think about it they don't want a project and if you move into a house and then you have to start tearing it apart it's not a lot of fun you oh, wait so that's let me ask you, so is, are you saying that the fixer-upper is less appealing than it used to be? Or? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, really? And, and that's why you see on the listings, move in ready. Yeah, I mean... Are there statistics on that, or is that a hard thing to get statistics on? You're going to get the statistics right now. Um, almost 100% of people, other than investors and builders, they don't want to do anything. Uh, very, very few people these days are going to say, uh, yeah, I'll be willing to do work. I, I almost never hear it anymore. Really? And that's a cha- is that to change? Pretty much. Pretty much. You used to be able to get things a little bit less expensively if you had skills. People don't yeah, have... Yeah, yeah. People have less skills, and certainly the younger people have zero skills or zero interest in doing it. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Unless they're watching HGTV all the time, but uh, it's 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 easier to watch a television show than to actually give up all your weekends doing uh, yeah, yeah. painting it's jobs and okay. sanding floors and replacing windows and kitchens and bathrooms. And when I moved in, my wife called herself a house widow. <laughs> I said, she, "Oh, that's good." That's... She was actually a Home Depot widow. <laughs> no. So. What about um? I know people have been staging homes for, you know, 25, I mean, a year, a decade. It's not new, but is it, it seems to me 
someone's gotten to a new level? Is that right, or is that just it's an industry? It, it's part of the marketing now. Yeah, it is. It's definitely part of the marketing. But it also depends well, wait, on that, the price how's that point. Just tell me, like, what's different? Specifically, what's different is that stagers follow the trends like fashion and, and house and decoration uh, magazine and they will put the things in that people are looking at and say they want like what whatever's today's color is and it was gray i don't know if that's still variations of gray um so um all stagers will say to you the cost of staging is less than your first price reduction Interesting, but that's them selling their staging. Uh, okay, do you do you agree with that? Like, do you guys use stagers? Oh, absolutely, I do. On on the right houses, I have a property, uh, uh, an affordable property in Dedham right now that's under four hundred thousand. We're not using a stager. It's an artist who lives in there. It's really kind of cool. Oh wow! Yeah. You can all, you can Wait, also uh, broker. I don't know if it's around here, but maybe you guys can tell me if it is. And Beth, there, there, uh, let me let me yeah. jump in on that. Also, this is Jim. Um, yeah. Virtual staging is also yeah, is okay, is also that. an option, where where you, the uh, broker can just take a photo and actually digitally add the furniture and and the artwork and the tchotchkes. Is that <laughs> happening around here? happens uh, everywhere yeah it's, i mean when you look online if it's done well uh to the untrained eye uh or i should say the inexperienced person looking at the photo they they probably won't see it i can what, see what does the but experienced I'm, person pick up on like you well you you can just tell it it, it looks like the same f furniture all the time that's that's mm -hmm. one thing it it looks a little Two-dimensional rather than three-dimensional. I don't know how else to describe it. but And is that when the place is empty, or like how are they inserting these pictures? Empty, yes. Uh, empty, I see. Okay. Yes. So then when the person goes, if the, if the prospective buyer goes to the house, it's empty even though they've seen it with furniture. Exactly. Are people surprised? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes not. It, it would probably be stay. It, it would probably be said somewhere in the description that it was virtual staging. I and, see, okay. And, and sometimes even a staged house, if it's been on the market for a while, the photos that they've seen when they get to the house, the furniture will not be there because it may be five, $6,000 a month to keep the furniture there. And mm -hmm. the builder or the broker who's ever paying for it just says, you know, well, we have the pictures. That's good enough. I see, Okay. Actually, sort of speaking about, you know, what somebody who is knowledgeable picks up when they're looking at the picture, I was wondering that when you guys as real estate agents, if you go to buy a house for yourself, what is it that you were looking for or seeing that the layperson is not? Upside. Yeah. Value yeah. add. Yeah. You're always, when you buy, you're always looking to buy with the understanding of, of what you're going to make when you sell. That's neighborhood, that's schools, that's um, taxes. A variety of different things. Oh, interesting. So, like, what would you I mean? You would, and so, given that, what would you look for? Like, you say neighborhood. Is that in an up-and-coming neighborhood or one that's established? What What are the What's the smart money doing there? I I can speak directly to this. 
Um, uh, and we can start way back in JP. When I know you weren't here at that time, but I'll go through this quickly. Yeah. Uh, Jamaica Plain was was not a great mm. community. It's almost impossible to get in there now. Cambridge wasn't great. Somerville was called Slummerville. I know. Um, and you just can't get in there now. South Boston, nobody would go to South Boston, and now you can't do it. So what's happening now is those people are moving out of South Boston. They're going into Dorchester, the Savin Hill District. So if you look at that movement as it's coming south and west, you're going to see an area around Franklin Park that's going to be the next up-and-coming so uh, it's close to the T, it's got triple-deckers, it's got uh, uh, the uh, stores and restaurants are, are gentrifying down in there. Um, so if you can find something inexpensive in that area, that's where you want to be right now. Oh, interesting. So Savin Hill and... Um well, right Savin Hill is already up there in price. I mean, in Dorchester. What about Roxbury? Well, Roxbury is ultimately going to be uh, a place. It isn't right now. West Roxbury, of course. Yeah. But Ro- yeah. Ro- Roxbury uh, has some beautiful, beautiful homes in there. Well, e- even uh, like Chelsea and East Boston, those areas as well. They, they've, East they've Boston's hot. Yep. Chelsea is not, though, right at the moment. It'll get there. It'll be next. There are things that that real estate agents uh, always direct back to the buyer, like if if you're concerned about drugs, alcohol, uh, crime, that we send you to the police to ask those questions. We're not supposed Mm. to answer those questions for you. Well, that's interesting. What about, about, are people less interested in big houses? Are those getting harder to sell? Well, big meaning expensive. Right now, um, anything between eight hundred thousand uh, dollars and a million six, um, depending on the town, is just sitting there. And why? why? There, why? Between eight hundred and one point six, are just sitting there. Right. Yeah. What towns are you talking about? You're not talking about Newton and Brookline. No, I wouldn't be talking about Newton and Brookline, but I would be talking about Whalen, for instance, oh, uh, West, okay. Westwood. Sure, sure. You know, there there are towns where. Uh, that is a nice home that people were purchasing, but there is so much inventory in that price range. Well, that good news for the buyers. Good news for the buyers. Yeah. Yeah, bad news for the listing agent. Yeah, well. Um, again, you're looking for something that, that you can buy um, at fair market value or below fair market value that you can sell at a much greater price um, if it grows grows six percent a year, you know you'd like ten percent a year. You know, live there. Well, the average is now nine years. Live there nine years, and and you've almost doubled your money. You're you're very happy. We have time for one more question, Beth. Oh, one more question. All right, let me see which one. Make it a good um, one. <laughs> I'm trying to do anything I want to ask you. Um, What's the theory on open houses these days? Are people are they, is that the same as they've always been, or is there a different thought on those? This was uh, this was a question that we were going to have. How many weeks on the market has the uh, property been out there? Yeah, is it you are the first broker, or are you the second broker, or are you the third broker? Has it been on the market, you know, for one day or a hundred days? You know that. 
it's it, it it also depends on the price point and the neighborhood, the town, what's going on in that town. May there's probably towns out there where no one does an open house. There's towns out there where brokers do a four hour broke, you know, an open house on a Sunday afternoon in the middle of the summer. That's crazy. If I could do a ten minute open house, I I would at this point. Um, why? Do you get, do, what percentage? Well, everyone comes at the last ten minutes, so just make it a ten minute open house. <laughs> I, I'm I'm joking, uh, you know. No, I'm, I like I'm, that. It, Actually, it, it's a really good idea. It, it's a bit extreme, but uh, I I think when I started doing one hour open houses years ago, it was because I would have three listings and I'd have to jam them all in on a Sunday afternoon, and I'd have to drive between them, and I have to pull in the signs, and then of course there's the straggler who comes in. You turned off every light in the house. You locked it. You know, everything is ready to go. You're just about ready to walk out the door, and they pull in the driveway, you know. Oh, so, right, so, right. So, so it's a, it's what percentage a, of offers will come from someone who's been to an open house, do you think? Like, is that still a really important selling tool? Uh, yes and no. I, I, I would say if someone was really serious about a house, they already know it. It's just a convenience, mostly for buyer brokers that have to show a lot of places and uh, they don't have to call brokers to schedule because mm. there's the times and you know you just bring your your buyer in and you can get a lot accomplished that way there there's a feeling it's a uh, courtesy there's a feeling in the industry Beth that some um, agents wholeheartedly believe that having an open house is done only for the listing agent, so the listing agent can get um, either buyers for other buyers, buyers or can dual agency the situation, and they feel as though it's it's uh, just for the listing agent. But I want to answer the question. I, I've sold a lot of houses over the years. I've never sold one that people didn't come to an open house. But then again, I have open houses, so right, um, right. <laughs> I find when I sit in an open house, I find something else. Uh, I've lived in a number of places, not anywhere for a long, long time from my, my home now, but I'm in and out of houses, and I'm always learning something new about a home when I'm in there for a bit. Oh, like what kind of thing do you mean? Um, <laughs> okay, where the switches are. Oh, yeah. That's how, do, how do I turn off that light? That should be yeah, the yeah. real estate test. Can you get in and out and turn on all and turn off all the lights? Yeah. How the heating system works, where the electrical is, what about this uh, solar panel? Um, there, it just goes on and on with the technology that we have. How do you reset the Nest, um, which is an electronic device that you can... Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so there's an endless uh, amount. How about that window? Oh, they they nailed shut that window. Huh, why did they do that? I had a good one. There you go. The thermostat on the first floor turned on the heat in the basement. <laughs> thermostat on the, oh, yeah, in the good. basement turned on the heat on the first floor. And it's 20 degrees outside, and you're trying to heat the basement, and you can't do it because you came into the first floor, and the temperature was fine, but the basement was cold basement is now freezing and the first floor is 90 degrees <laughs> yeah yeah you, you don't get that unless you spend a lot of time in the house yeah you know, if you just rush right through with the winter clothes on and uh you may not have noticed it 
Uh, one that happened in an open house for me is uh, I'd been through the house and it was a wonderful house. Uh, I was about to do the open house and I was going to use the bathroom right before, you know, and I went into the bathroom, tried to close the door to the bathroom and they had put in a new toilet and I couldn't close the bathroom door. No. So, oops. I, I had a walk I had a walk through and the heat wasn't up that high and it was in the middle of the winter. Flushed the toilet and steam was coming out of it. <laughs> they hooked it up to yeah. the hot the hot water line. It, it's just unbelievable the things that that you see and hear every day in this business. We have stories. We but all agents do, and and we are bumping up against people at a very emotional financial and legal time in their lives and uh so we it's an intimate process yes i want to uh thank you today and we actually have a a a gift for you i uh uh to the savage wiener i have three things that i'm going to hopefully you're carnivorous yeah yeah if not you'll know (laughs) You'll know someone who is. These Savage Wieners are are really awesome. And um, we thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you, Beth. We should do it again. And and read Beth Beth Titel at the Boston Globe. She's awesome. Thanks so much, Beth. We'll talk to you soon. Great to talk to you. Okay, bye-bye. So, Larry, we have a question in our mailbox or mailbag. Which is it? Is it a bag or a box? I never know. Uh, you're the one that goes to it. I don't know. I, I guess it's a bag then. <laughs> it's my bag. Christian Karras is from Denver, Colorado, and Christian asks, I'm planning to begin a new career as a real estate agent, and I want to know what the top three biggest rookie mistakes I might be able to avoid by learning from mistakes that you have already made in your careers. Hmm. That's a good question. A newbie. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I know how I chose the agency that I came with. I'm not with that agency anymore, so obviously I didn't choose correctly. But um, well, maybe it was correct for that time. It was it was correct using the criteria that I wanted. But I would say now that I've been at it for a long time and been through a couple of agencies, I think you really want to be in an office where there are great people who are willing to share. You don't want to be in an office with negative people who are complaining. You want to be there with people who are getting things done and are excited to be part of it and are willing to share their information with you. How about you, Jim? Um, well, I started uh, way before um, it was even in vogue, probably not even someone's vision, but uh, a CRM. These days, uh, you develop a... Um, a client list, um, a network, and it's all digital, and it's got uh, scheduling and uh, marketing ticklers and um, email blasts, and uh, I would say a, a really good CRM and, and learn how to use it. Yeah, any of those customer relationship management tools that you can use are really, really very important in keeping you up to date with your clients. If you are not communicating with your clients, all you have is a, an old Rolodex, and that's not going to help you at all. What else? Um, a, a good uh, business plan. Or a business plan. And um, starting with the end in mind, I mean, how much do you want to make? And, and how do you make that? If, you know, the average price point in your uh, 
property. But again, we're ge- getting into the training part. You really do need training. And, and if you plan, uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <laughs> exactly. Today's sponsor is Castles Magazine and the Castles Broker Network, where the most luxurious residential properties and top brokers in over 60 countries around the world can be found online and in print. Go to castlesmag.com for the ultimate online luxury property database. That's Castles Magazine for the ultimate residential properties for sale worldwide. Geez, I wonder if we'll see uh, Giselle and Tom's I'm, property I'm in there. I'm 100% sure it's already there. That's awesome. Any news this week? Well, uh, the news this week is the news from last week. The uh, interest rates were were cut, the Federal Reserve. And that kind of dovetails because they were a little bit bullied by the president um, to keep the interest rates low or, in fact, to lower them because we've got tariff situations going on with the Chinese and, and other countries. It's kind of a mess, but it's great for buyers. Now you have a little more buying power. True. Anything else? That would be it for today. We went a little Mm -hmm. long with Beth Titel, and that was awesome. Uh, By the way, our next guest um, is the leader in Australia for uh, low-cost and no-cost marketing for real estate. So um, see you next week. We're going down under. Down under, and he's a he's a fun guy to talk to, so tune in next week. Everyone here at Broker Talk wants to thank you for taking the time to join us today. Every week, we want to be the place where you can turn to ask your questions and listen to the latest news regarding the real estate industry and all things real estate with zero spin. Till next week, I'm Jim Lowenstern. And I'm Larry Lawfer. Make Wishing it a great week. Wishing you the best real estate out there. Hit them with a the hind.